From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. I've got Kyle Winslow here. We're in the Thinking Out Loud studios. We are extremely excited to be back with you again this week. Yeah, last week we started the conversation over the topic of the elections and just talking about how we want to educate our listeners, make sure that as a Christian, you know, we have the questions, how should we vote? And again, we're not here to tell you who to vote for. We're not here to tell you which side to vote for. We just want to educate you on what policies are important to God and Really, just how to find out what policies line up with who you're voting for. You know, we want to vote policies, not person. And uh, so last week we talked about big issues. Okay, so that's the conversation we started. We started talking about the abortion and our thoughts on life and the importance of life. And we really vetted that out. We used some scriptural references, used some scientific references, and just talked about how we are to just approach that whole scenario beyond even the election part. You know, as Christians, it's important for us to be pro-life all the way, not not selectively. And so we got into that. And today we're going to get into topics of same-sex marriage, gun rights, law and order. And we just want to make sure that we're doing our part to help steer you in an educated direction so that you can make a confident decision when it comes to the polls. Yeah, absolutely, Kyle. And, you know, we're going to get into some some issues, uh, as you heard Kyle say. And these are some big issues. They're controversial issues. They're emotional issues. And we don't take this lightly, you know. And as we said in the last show, we're not interested in telling you who to vote for. But as Christians, we all are to to look at the facts. We should vet out the facts and not look at this through the lens of emotion. We have to look at this through the lens of truth. Yeah. Um, you know, what's true? What, what is, what's on God's mind? What would God want on our minds when we go to the polls? And there are many issues, but these are some of the most talked about and the ones that I feel are very important to God, along with a bunch of other issues. So the last time we talked through abortion. And so we're going to start off this show by talking about same sex marriage. And so we know as Christians, that marriage is an institution that was created by God from the beginning of time. The Bible literally says that he made them female, uh, male and female, and that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and those two would become one flesh. And so when we talk about same-sex marriage, we have to understand that Who's the author of marriage? Just like who's the author of life? We've talked about who the author of life was, and we said that was Christ. Who is the author of marriage? That is the same person. That would be Christ. He is the author of marriage. He's the one who came up with the concept. He is the one who has given us an example 
of marriage. The very first people who ever graced this earth was Adam and Eve. It was not Adam and Steve. And so it is extremely important to us to understand that this is the way God has designed it. And we're going to talk about, go through some scriptures and to show you what God says about it. Now, I understand that this is a very emotional, sensitive issue. And I want to be very intentional here because, and, and I think there is going to be another show at some point that we will talk specifically about gay marriage and just sexuality in general, because I don't take it lightly. I don't take it lightly at all. I am not a person who just says, well, I can't believe those. I, what's happening there? No, I believe that people have real needs. I believe that people have real feelings. I believe that there are people who truly feel that they were born that way. And I think instead of condemning those people, I think we need to have conversation. I think we need to talk through those things. I think we need to have grace. I think people need to be educated. I think a lot of people are just simply not educated on this issue. And I think that is something that's super important. But today, our goal is to help you when you go to the polls. What are the issues that are important to God? And and same-sex marriage is one of those things that are important to God. So in Leviticus 18 and 22, it just simply says, do not practice homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with the woman, it is a detestable sin. We look at Romans 1 in verse 18 and through 32. It says, uh, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds, animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And this is where we are today. As a result, mm. they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Listen, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, because I believe it shows very clearly where we are today. That line in that scripture that says that they traded the truth of God for a lie so that they worship and serve the things God created instead of the creator. You know, as well as I do, sex is one of the biggest forces that is driving this culture. Sex, sexual things, sexual perversion, sexual promiscuity, sexual identity, sexual freedom. I mean, everything to do with sex is just prevalent in this culture. And what we've seen through pornography, through unnatural sexual attraction, is what we've seen is we've seen we've seen society worship creation instead of the creator. Pornography is worshiping creation instead of the creator. Right? And what happens is when you worship creation, it causes all kinds of different perversion. And 
and we understand. I, I, I completely understand. I, I, I know people who are in the same sex lifestyle and, you know, for you to go up to an, uh, to, and, and let me say this to Christians. Let me, let me say this to Christians. Cause I think this is very important. If you meet somebody who is a homosexual, who's gay, who is, who, you know, who, who love, like somebody of the same sex, your first thing should not be to get that person ungay. Okay. Your first uh, thing should be to get that person saved or to help that person to understand coming to a saving knowledge of Christ, because what sends them to hell is not them being gay, but not, but it's actually them not having a relationship with Jesus. So that's the first thing that needs to happen. So I think we have to be very careful. And when we're talking about this, that we understand that that's the first, the chief thing that we should, should be doing as Christians is to getting people who are in same sex relationships that don't understand God and his ways, help them to understand it by them getting saved first. Then we can talk to them about, you know, you don't, you, you don't skin the fish before you get them in the boat. Right. Right. It, it just, just doesn't work that way. You get the fish in the boat and then you skin the fish. Right. And so first things first. And so when we talk about the sanctity of marriage, marriage is orchestrated is orchestrated by God in first Corinthians six, nine through 11. It says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or who commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves, greedy people, drunkards and abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And so we have to understand that the Bible is very, very clear about homosexuality. It is very clear about any sexual relationship outside of the covenant of a marriage between a man and a woman. And I think, you know, some of us, we have to, you know, I think we need to be okay as Christians with saying, hey, that bothers me a little bit, or I don't understand that, or I struggle with that. It's okay to struggle with that. There's everything that is that, that is is shown in the Bible is not going to be something you're going to 100 percent agree with 100 percent of the time in your own flesh. You're just not because right. the Bible says we we're born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity. But what we do have to do is bow our knee before the God who created our bodies, who created life. That's like saying to Bill Gates, you know, he comes up with software for a computer and he gives you a manual how to use it. Right. If you tell Bill Gates that some now, somehow now you want to use that software to do something totally different than what he designed that software to do, you can expect Bill Gates to say, listen, you're going to have some issues because that's not how I designed that software to be. And I even gave you a manual to show you how to use the software. Well, if you think of it in the biblical terms, God created our bodies. He is the creator of it. He gave us a manual, which is the word of God, that helps us to understand how we are to use our bodies. So it's not just sex. He's told us, hey, how to eat right, right? He's told us, you know, how to eat right. He's told us to take care of our bodies, that our our bodies is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He's told us how to not indulge into perverse sexual things. Why? Because he is the creator He knows what should and should not be done with the thing that he created. 
right? And then he's even given us a manual, which is the word of God, to help us through that, right? And so if we if we have these feelings or we have these these proclivities towards a certain thing that is unnatural or that is not that we don't find in scripture, we have to go back to the manual. Not how we feel, not how we think it is, but what the Bible actually says. And I've read you scripture and there's many, 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 many more scriptures that I could have read. But I just picked a few, just two or three scriptures so that you can understand what homosexuality, uh, how God looks at homosexuality. And so I think it's very important that we don't go by our feelings on this because think about it this way. All of us have a proclivity towards a certain sin. We're all bent towards. Some people are bent to be sexually promiscuous or to, you know, to get as, you know, uh, as us guys, you know, we say, well, I'm just trying to get every woman I can, as many pretty women as I can, right? That is not godly. That is not what God would want for a man, right? There are some people that have proclivities towards lying. There are certain people that are born with, why? Because we're born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity. Just because you were born and you have a proclivity towards the same sex does not actually mean that that's right or that you're gay. What it means is you're a sinful person, just like I am, just like Kyle is, and that you have a proclivity towards that sin, but that you need a savior to forgive you of that sin and to help you live the life that he's called you to live. That's so again, this is an emotional issue. And this is an issue that, you know, because people have family members. I have family members. I have people that I know and people that I dearly love that are in this lifestyle. And, you know, we have to understand that what the Bible actually says, not our feelings about it. So, When we go to the polls, we have to ask ourselves, the party that we are, the party that we're voting on, the platform that we're voting on, what does that platform say about same-sex marriage? Are they saying that, that marriage is between a man and a woman? Are they saying that marriage is created by God? Like what, what, what are they saying? And as a Christian, we have to vote based on what the Bible says, not based on how we feel about something. Cause you might say, Kev, like, I don't understand why people can just love whoever they want to love. If somebody's going to be in a monogamous relationship and you know, they're going to be committed to that person. Isn't love just love? Love is whatever God says love is. Because God is the person who is the orchestrator or the architect of love. So again, going back to the Bill Gates scenario, how can you tell Bill Gates that his software is supposed to be used or should be used totally different than what he created it to be? And then he gives you a manual and to even help you with it. And then you turn around and tell him he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like that doesn't even make, that doesn't even make logical sense. We just have to remember that we're frail human beings, that sometimes we're struggling with wanting that to be the truth, right? And that's okay. That's okay. But we still have to bow our knee to Christ. And so when you go to the polls, remember marriage. 
So when you see us out there fighting for marriage, fighting for, and it's not that we, it's not that Christians don't want equality. I want equality for everyone. I don't care if you're gay, straight, transgender. I don't care who you are. Should you get health care? Absolutely, you should. You are a human being. Should you have some of the same basic human rights as anybody else when it comes to medical coverage and when it comes to all those type of things? Absolutely. But God has ordained marriage. And I think it's extremely important that when we go to the polls, that we understand what the scripture says. And one scripture that I keep referencing, but I haven't said exactly where it's found, but it's in Psalms 51 and 5. And it says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So I think it's important for us to understand that though it's a controversial topic, we do need to stand on what the word of God says about that topic. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's hard coming from someone who has homosexuality in his family. You stand on what you believe and you love regardless of what it is that you disagree. And and I do and I love it. Where it gets hard is being open about your stance. It's hard for certain people not to take offense, direct offense. And you got to navigate. And the only way I found it successful is through love. It's just reaffirming the fact, hey, oh, I, I love you. Like, That's right. That, my decision to love you didn't change because of your decision on who you choose to love. That's right. I'm, that didn't change. But my decision on your sexual orientation, not orientation, your, you know, the, your sexual desires, yep. my decision on my belief on that isn't going to change because somebody I love changed their belief. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, we, we got to be careful to not compromise based off of people because it's easy to do that. It's easy to say, well, I, you know, the Bible does speak out against homosexuality, but my brother's homosexual now. And so, yeah, I got to support him. So look, you can still support him as a human being. Like That's you right. just said, yep. he, you're, he is still a human being. Yep. He is still every part God's creation and he is still just as equal as any, that doesn't change, but your opinion and God's opinion on same-sex marriage also shouldn't change. That's and right. we can still love through that. That's and that's right. why I think it was really cool, Kev, that you said your first priority is getting them saved. That's right. I think outside of that, there's no way they, and I could be wrong, but I've seen it to where they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and they come to the knowledge of the love that they were missing to begin with. And that, that's not for every case, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you the best answer is going to be Jesus, period, because right. he is the creator. Right. Okay. He it's the author and finisher of our faith, of our life. All sometimes you just got to go back to to the creation of it all because I believe, and this is just side note, the perversion starts when, and and you you read it in the verse where they decided to trade the truth about God for a lie. That's right. That's right. Well, well there you go. And so anytime we're gonna try to remake something, mm-hmm. when you try to recreate something, you're not recreating it. You can't recreate it. You're either gonna make it. You're gonna make a different version of it. And you're going to call it the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I've done to our teenagers in youth group for, our, we do purity series. And, and honestly, I don't, I just did a purity night and I had a tables set up for them in groups with puzzles. Mm-hmm. And I, I had them try to put the puzzle together to get the picture. And you see the picture on the box, you see all the pieces. And I tell them, quite honestly, you can jam a piece in there yeah. and it will fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you're all done, Pieces are going to be missing and the picture is not going to look the same. That's right. And you're going to call it, you know, you'll call it your own masterpiece. 
And that's the truth. Yeah. And, and and in the midst of all of that perversion, in the midst of all the confusion, again, and we said this on the last episode, as Christians, as as God-fearing men and women, we have to have such a love for humanity that we are the people that bring conversations back to logic, bring them back to the Word of God, bring them back to common ground in a way that it's it's through love, in a way that it's not going to push somebody away. And and. And I know that there are people out there that are like, it's just harder with family. And it is. Yeah. It is super hard. But if you love that family member enough, you will be cognizant enough and you'll be conscious enough to know how to navigate those conversations, to reaffirm them, even in the conversation, that your love for them is bigger than anything that's going on in that conversation in that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I think where we have failed some sense uh, as Christians, and I know we're going, we're kind of going on a sidebar conversation. Yeah, on, sorry, on this sorry one. about that. No, no, we're good. <laughs> you know, is I just, I just feel, I'm sorry, but I just feel like we can change the way we act during the election season. And I don't want to see that in any of our listeners. Yeah. Like, we should act how we're going to vote. Don't let that change you. So I'm sorry that no. went to the no. went to the side, but we need yeah. to carry it beyond the polls, you know. So Yeah, absolutely. And I and no, and I think this is a healthy discussion that we're having here and I love having it. I just think that where we failed as Christians is, you know, someone comes out and says that they're gay. We now are ostracizing that person. That person's not invited over for Thanksgiving dinner. The person's not invited over for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, we try to hide them in a yeah. in a closet somewhere because we don't want our kids to see. And it's like, it that's not human. Like I, I, you, you don't have to support the deed. You don't have to support that lifestyle. But you do need to support them as a human being. You know, Jesus. When Jesus was walking this earth, and when he went to um, the tax collectors at Caius's house, you have to understand that was one of the most hated people. People hated him because he was a cheat. He was a liar. He was he was robbing them of their money, right? Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, "Listen, man, I'm going to your house." When you know he, this guy was a tax collector, right? And, and they accused Jesus, "Oh, you 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 know you sit with drunkards and you sit with all these different people." And let me tell you something. You know, if Jesus was here today, he would not condone that sin. But I will tell you right now, there is no way he would not have somebody that had same sex attraction that he wouldn't have somebody like that in his home. You know, because. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it it's it's more about the person. Jesus is is concerned about the soul of people, and that's what we should be concerned about. And so, if we've got issues with loving people in any kind of sin, pick your sin. You know, if, if your uncle has an issue with pornography, do you not invite him to dinner? Do you not invite him to the family baseball game? No, you know, you don't call him Uncle Jim the pornographer. You know, oh, yeah, we don't associate with him because he's a pornographer. No, you don't. You still associate with him. Well, you should still associate with your cousin Jerry that maybe has same-sex attraction because you're not going to be Jesus with skin on if you don't do so. And so it is extremely important for us to, yes, we don't condone sin. Please let me be clear. Look, we don't condone sin, right? Right. But we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater and just say, well, if you decided to this particular sin, well, you have just you committed the ultimate sin. And, you know, I'm better than Jesus. And so you're not allowed in my home. And so, you know, and, and that's what and, and a lot of people get into into that lifestyle because of rejection. And then we victimize them again by rejecting them again, because now they're in that lifestyle. 
Mm. So it's 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 guys, we, we, we really, really, really have to think about what we're doing. You know, but with all that said, we know that marriage is huge to God and it should be huge to us. And whatever we do, when we go to the polls, we should vote for whatever platform looks at marriage the way God looks at marriage, whatever that platform is. Like you have to take and look at the issues yourself. And another one we'll look at is gun rights. And the reason why I put this one down, we put this one down is because this is something that's happening right in our society right now this is a huge thing like gun rights you know should people carry guns should we be allowed to carry them is that biblical you know we one side says absolutely not you should not be able to own a gun you know if jesus was here he would be peace loving and he would you know he would never he said turn the other cheek like all of these things that we hear but what's happening is we're taking the bible out of context And we're taking, picking and choosing one scripture and applying it to our narrative because we feel like it fits our narrative. And so as Christians, and we're going to the polls, this is something that should be important to us. And I believe it's important to God as well. Um, Should a Christian be able, or anybody for that matter, not just a Christian, but who, who should we be able to protect ourselves? Is there any scripture that addresses this? head on or in principle. And remember, and we've said this before, there is nothing the Bible doesn't cover. I promise you that. Like nothing. So if there's anything that you feel like, well, no, this is 2020. The Bible was written years ago. I mean, it, there's no way it's, it's in the Bible. I promise you it's either in the Bible directly addresses it or it's in principle. And here's one that's in principle. So when you talk about gun rights, I believe that it is always God's will for us to be able to protect our families and protect our lives. That's just ingrained in God's who God is as a protector, right? You just automatically, you know, as a husband and as a father, one of my biggest things is to protect my family. I will Mm -hmm. never let somebody come in into my house without me fighting to the death to protect my girls. All of them. My wife and my two girls and my dog, by the way. Uh, <laughs> don't touch the dog. Don't right, you dare right, touch the dog. T- <laughs> right? You might get, yeah. No, you don't, John, you don't John, touch my you dog. You turn into John Wick. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, you know, we are, it, it, it's a huge thing to protect your family. And that's what God wants us to do. But in Luke 22, and 36, and this is in principle, I, I want you to understand about gun rights, okay? And this is Jesus talking. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it, and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. Now, here's how I want to unpack this. When Jesus was sending you know, his disciples out and, you know, obviously we know they were going and they were doing, they were preaching and different things like that. He was getting ready to go to the cross soon. And he said, he said to them, he said, but if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. But if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. So he basically said, listen, if you don't have a sword, go get a sword, you know? And he said, go sell your clothes and buy a sword. 
So the sword that day was the most lethal weapon of their time. Okay. They didn't have guns. They didn't have explosives. They didn't have ammunition. They didn't have anything like that. The sword was the only thing that they really had for personal protection that they could keep with them as they were going to different cities and preaching and different things that they were doing. Right. Mm. So Jesus himself, peace loving Jesus that walked the earth. He calmed the waves and the seas, all of that told his own disciples that he was walking with, by the way, he said, if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. In principle here, what Jesus is saying is, listen, there's a dangerous world out there. And I know that you guys are going to be experiencing different things. There's only one reason, guys, why you carry a sword. Yeah, and he de- he puts some importance on it. I mean, if he's telling you to sell one of your items that you want to take with you because it supersedes that item, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's importance there. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so I look at that scripture and say, if Jesus was here today and he knew that a handgun was the most lethal weapon that we have that we can carry of the day for personal protection— would he say that that is something that we should do, seeing how the world is? And I'm sure the world is way worse than it was back then. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I didn't live back then, but uh, there's a lot of different things now that, that people have devised to do to harm people. And so I believe that Jesus would. And so when we look at gun rights, I think we have to look at it from through the eyes of Jesus. If Jesus told his disciples that they should bring the swords with them as they went about their days and their work, Why in the world would Jesus flip the script and now say that guns are shouldn't be legal Mm. and that you can't you shouldn't be able to protect yourself? I believe that this is biblically backed up that we can and we should protect ourselves and protect our families. Now, it's up to you. I'm certainly not saying that Jesus commands us to go buy a gun. Right. That is not what I'm saying. I am not saying that Jesus is commanding you. And and, and do I think that there should be some reforms here? Do I think that maybe a person, and I think that's a discussion that we can have. Is there a discussion around, should people be able to buy AR-15s and should they be able to buy automatic weapons and, you know, buy special, you know, attachments to make their gun more lethal? Like, Yes, we can have that discussion. And unfortunately, I'm not going to have that discussion here because I'm not educated enough to have that discussion with you. I feel like, you know, I feel like that we need to go back to scripture to go to the basics and say, do should we go to the polls and vote for gun rights or our right to bear arms? That's the that's the basis. And remember, remember, you can get into those discussions. And again, we're, we're that discussion can go so far, Kev, oh, yeah. especially with a guy who's a hunter, who's an advocate. I'm a, I'm a gun rights advocate. I, I use it to hunt. I don't use AR-15s to hunt. Um, um, <laughs> right. uh, truth be told, that's not why I would get an AR-15. It wouldn't be to hunt. It would be because of the Second Amendment. And it'd be, it'd be strictly because of that. But right. we're going to stop that conversation there. You got to remember... God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same from the Old Testament to the coming of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. 
he has never hesitated when it comes to protecting his people. Yeah. And and people have seen God do it in some pretty harsh ways through some yeah. pretty harsh wars. Why yeah. why would God either there were men, women and children and, and the cattle. Like he didn't even stop at right. human beings. He taught you. Right. You got to understand there's a purpose for everything. It, yeah. it, it, it's there is order in everything that God does and we can go to the historical facts of why he did what he did in the Old Testament. It's all out of love. It's all yeah. out of love for his humanity. It's all out of love for his creation. And at the moment that God felt like, and you you can see it through scripture, the moment he feels like his his creation is at mm-hmm. risk from being his creation, yeah. he takes action. And sometimes yeah. it mm. is physical. And sometimes mm. it is more of a protective, like a dad, like you just said, you're going to do everything in your power. Well, he did, and he does, and he will. And and yeah. that's not wrong. The the day that we view protecting our family as wrong is the day that we are all done for. Oh, and so, absolutely. And, and I get it. We're talking about gun rights. We're not talking about taking our guns away completely, right? We're, we're right. talking about a lot of the debate is gun reform and the laws being reformed. And again, that is a conversation, different day and time. However, you've got to understand as a Christian, we've seen it all throughout scripture, protecting yourself, protecting your family. It comes with matching the threat that you're faced with. And so the AR-15s, that's still a grade below what we can see ourselves being taught. I'm just trying to say gun rights. We need to make sure that we're boned up, we're educated scripturally, that our God is an act of God. And uh, he'll do whatever it takes to protect his people. And I feel like we should be doing the same. Um, and I think he supports that because he knows that's what it's created for. Okay. It's not created so that we can go and do criminal acts and murder because we want to. It's created. And the yeah. second amendment was created specifically out of the protection of the people. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's such. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. And I think guys, if you, and please do your research, I, I will tell you statistically, look at the States that has the most strict gun laws okay go on google go wherever you need to go go to the library wherever you want to go look at the states that have the strictest gun laws you will see that the states that have the strictest gun laws have the most they have the highest some of the highest crime rates why why, why do you think that is if i was a criminal and i knew that no one in my state was supposed to have a gun at home it's free reign for me I can just go to anybody's house and I know for a fact that nothing's going to happen to me unless the person in there is a bodybuilder and they can, you know, or body they, slam me. They have a potato launcher. Right. <laughs> potato launcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless they have, yeah, unless they have like a pumpkin launcher or something. Like right. how in the world, you know, they're not going to subdue me. Right. So it's, it's, I mean, that's just logical that the states that have the strictest gun laws are some of the states that have the, some of the most highest crime rates. Look at Chicago. Chicago is one of them. They have very strict gun laws, right? But look at the crime in Chicago. And I love that. Not I, just we the got, crime, but the deaths by shooting. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, you please go look up those statistics. And, and again, so, and I'm saying this, guys, not because, and I'm a gun owner. I'm a proud gun owner. I, I believe in protecting my family uh, and myself and, and all of that. But here's the thing. I'm not a gun owner because one day I decided to wake up and say I wanted to be a gun owner. 
I, I've researched the Bible and I see what the Bible is saying. I looked at what Jesus said to his disciples. And so, you know, I can get emotional about it and say, well, I just want a gun because I want to protect my family. But I can also look at it and say, you know, I own a gun because I feel like biblically this is backed up in scripture. So yes, emotionally, I'm protecting my family. And if for some reason the Bible had said, no, you shouldn't have weapons, then I would be protecting my family with my fists. That's just how that would happen. You'd be getting a karate lesson. (laughs) That's right. That's right. If my body had to be the weapon, then that's what, you know. But instead, I I eat Twinkies and I use my (laughs) gun. Whoa, such a better alternative. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, but... But, you know, so and, 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 and again, guys, th- don't get me wrong. No one is the enemy because they say that they don't want to have own a gun in their home. If, if a mother is, say it's a single mom and she goes, you know what? I've got a couple of small kids. You know, I'm just really afraid that my kids are going to pick up that gun one day. And, you know, if it's not locked up, which it should be, but if it's not, they're going to pick it up and they're going to harm me or they're going to harm each other. I understand that. We should not make that person a villain because they decided for their particular situation that they don't want to own a gun in their home. Right. But but I would say to that same person, you shouldn't look at other people who do own guns and say that that person is irresponsible when they have went through the proper classes, when they're constantly going to the shooting range, when they're doing everything that they're supposed to do as a good citizen. So I think that's extremely important there. But as you go to the polls... These are things that are on your mind, and we're wanting to tell you what the Bible actually says about these things. Nope, I was just gonna uh, whether we're talking about gun rights, and we're talking about obviously that is a huge governing issue. Perhaps one of the biggest ones since finding out who's running in the polls is law and order. And I know the Bible has a lot to say about the governing of people, the law and order. And so, Kevin, you want to introduce that topic to the audience as well as we're already on the the whole gun rights thing. We might as well start talking about that law and order. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, as you can see, we've had more unrest in 2020 than we've had in many, many years. We've had a couple isolated incidents throughout the years where, you know, we've had some civil unrest and we've had some riots and different things like that. But we have not seen something like we're seeing right now. I mean, it's it is to the point of almost being out of control in some some states. And, you know, so these are things, obviously, that are on people's mind that, you know, when they're going to the polls, they're going, OK, well, which platform, which person, which president is going to really bring back law and order to the country? And it should be on your mind. But what does God say about it? First Corinthians 14, 33, he says, for God is not a God of confusion, but mm-hmm. a God of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40, he says, but all things should be done decently and in order. And I understand that these two scriptures are talking about the, the particular context of this chapter, but these are principles that you can say that God has. He doesn't like confusion. He's a God of peace. He's our prince of peace, Right. And then Mm -hmm. he wants things done decently and in order. And so I think when we go to the polls, I think we have to remember what is the platform, which platform 
is saying to people, whether it be protesters, rioters, looters, whoever else that's causing uh, civil unrest, which platform is saying, you know what? We need law and order. I understand that people are upset about things. I understand that there are some injustices that we've seen, but we need to go about this in a way that is peaceful. Then you have another platform that says, you know what? Let them loot. Let them riot. Let them let them break in the stores. Let them burn it down because they're expressing. We need to allow them to express their anger. We need to allow them to express those things that they're feeling inside. And I understand that they're burning down innocent people's businesses that have nothing to do with what's going on. But 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 how can you stop them when such injustices have been done? Okay, so you so you have those two sides. Right. And but but what does the Bible say that we heard directly from Scripture that God is not the author of confusion, but he's the author of peace. He wants things to be done decently and in order. And so it is important for us to vote for a platform where there is law and order. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't address injustice. Injustice should always be addressed. And as Christians, remember this, whatever justice doesn't happen this side of heaven, whatever justice doesn't happen on this earth, justice will happen. There is no person who does something wrong and does not repent that is going to get away from it. So even if you feel like that person gets away from it, that person didn't truly get away because they will pay for the deeds that are done in their body. And so, again, the Bible says vengeance is mine. I will repay. Right. So even if we've had something done to us now, when we look at the looting and we look at rioting, we look at all of these things, the Bible says in Romans 13, four, now we're still, we're talking about law and order here. Now listen to what it says. This is an important verse. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Now, I'm going to read this. That was the NIV. I'm going to read that same scripture in the New Living Translation. It's real plain. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course, you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. When you hear that scripture, what does that sound like? That sounds like our police officers. That sounds like our blue lives. That sounds like those people who are running to the chaos while we're running from the chaos. And the Bible said that these people are put in authority to punish you if you're doing something wrong. So the Bible is given license to authorities on earth to act to exact judgment against people who are doing wrong. So when police, when riot police officers go out there and they're they're spraying tear gas and they're using their batons and they're doing, and I'm saying they're doing it justly. I'm not saying people who, you know, they're going out and using things outside of their training, but they're doing it justly. Remember, these are agents of God 
who have God has put a stamp of approval on them to punish people who are doing wrong. Yeah, that's that's part of our God is a God of order, not confusion. So it would only seem fitting that there would be he would like in the governing body to be agents of forcefully getting people to do what is right. And if they're not going to, then they're going to have to forcefully act. Understand this, too, because there's so many sides, so many people on so many sides. Those same agents who are punishing people for for the rioting and for the, the things that they're doing, because rioting and looting is a crime. They may agree with the reason as to why they're rioting and looting. Yes. They just don't agree with the rioting and looting. So we have to be careful when we're talking about cops, when we're talking about reform even in that area. And I get I get it because Kevin hit it on the head. We don't agree with we don't agree with the wrongful acts of police officers. Absolutely. We don't not. agree with the brutality no. that we see in some cases. Not in all. Yep. In some. That's we right. don't see we, we don't agree with anything that's not justified. But we have to understand when we're going and we're voting, just because they are the, the cops are doing what is right with the rioters and looters doesn't mean they don't agree with the reason behind it. They just don't agree with the action to it. And so we just have we again we have to separate our emotions from this and really think diligently about this. The cops are doing what they're called to do. That's right. Uh, some some cross that line, and and guess what? There's justice for that too. That's right. And and we've seen that. So we just got to make sure that we keep our heads on straight. It gets emotional when we see the 30 second clips. I get emotional. I don't like human beings being hurt. I don't like cops being hurt. I don't even. I don't like criminals being hurt. Let's just be honest. That's right. The criminal's still a human being. That's right. Even if it's justified, it. It makes your stomach churn. Yeah. But again, let's get the emotions out of it. Let's make sure we're doing what we feel God would have us to do in this time. Right. Absolutely. It's so important. And so, you know, when you see things like defund the police, when you see things like, you know, and and, and I'm not saying we don't need more training for our officers. I think, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we had a police officer on. And I believe he said in that show that there needs to be you know, there there could be better training. I I yeah. I believe that there should be sensitivity training. I believe there should be a lot of things, but we can't now say that we shouldn't have police officers. We can't now say police take all their rights as officers away because a few right. officers decided to take matters into their own hands. Uh, we sh- we certainly can't say it because we see biblically that God has literally ordained them to do right. their that job. How else is God going to exact judgment right. on the wrongdoers if he doesn't use people? So he ha- God has to have somebody in place that's keeping it. So the judges, the police mm-hmm. officers, the military, the border patrol, may I add, the border patrol agents, you know, the you know, we we talk about the border and we talk about and we talk about law and order, and I know this is get get very dicey. And so, and again, again, I'm let's, we're talking biblically. What the, what does the Bible say? If somebody is trying to enter our country illegally, illegally, I'm not saying if somebody's doing something legal, I'm talking about illegally. It is literally, and when you read Romans 13, four, they have the authority to punish that person or persons that is trying to do something illegal now if we want to change now we can have a whole discussion about 
should we change those laws and just let anybody come over or whatever the case may be? We can have that discussion. But right now, if it's illegal, they're just doing their job. Now, how that job is done at the border, what, you know, what that looks like, the, t- the, the conditions of the detention centers, all of those things are, those are, those are other conversations that we can have. But when we get down to the nitty gritty, when we get down to actually the facts, if somebody crosses our border illegally, they have the right to be punished. Yeah. And I, I, again, it just goes back to law and order. We can't listen. I, educate yourselves on the phrase defund the police. Don't. <laughs> right. We can't, we can't not. We can't, we can't be absent of police officers and have a law and order. That's, That's right. just not going to happen. Yeah. Now. You want to get detailed out with the reforms, all that. Okay, let's go look at policies. Let's go look at who's behind what. Yep. And what you want to see done, that's logical. That's a logical conversation. Hey, we can't get rid of cops. However, some things have gone way off the deep end. We need to re- reel it in. Maybe there's some things we can do to prevent that. That's a great conversation to have. Yeah. Let's go see what the policies say behind what person says what. And let's that's why your vote matters. Right. And I think sometimes when we when we say things like, oh, well, you know, let's just get rid of guns, you know, or something like that. You get one side that says, let's just get rid of guns. You know, guns are the problem. Well, you know, law abiding citizens, that's actually not the problem. Statistics, like we said earlier, statistics say that, you know, states that have very strict gun laws, they have the highest crime rates. So that's not the issue. The issue is the people and that have the guns. And so, again, Remember, nothing's going to be perfect until Jesus returns. That's just not going to happen because, you know, we're, we're all flawed. We're all sinners. It's just it's not going to be perfect. But one side can't say get rid of guns. The other side can't say, man, pile up as many guns as possible and let's go out and, right. you know, create our own militias. No, we've got we've <laughs> got to understand that. What does the Bible say about law and order? It says God is a, 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 a God of law and order. Right. So when we hear things about defunding the police, we hear things about, you know, the police are bad people, all of them making a broad brush and saying that, you know, what platforms are promoting that? What, what, what platforms are second guessing every single move that our police officers make? What platform is is saying, you know, that we should defund the police, that we should attack some police officers have been literally attacked and killed. They had nothing yeah. to do with the injustice that happened. You know, with the officer, the officer that did the injustice is sitting in jail, but another police officer that comes out to control the riots is getting killed for something he didn't do. So, so who's promoting that? What platform's promoting that? And what platform is saying, you know what? We need law and order. And so that's, I think, is important as we go to the polls as well. And I think one of the last areas that we want to talk about is fiscal responsibility. That's another thing. You know, how is a particular president going to handle our finances? And this is another thing that is huge to God. There is scripture all over the Bible about money, right? And uh, Proverbs 22, 7, it says that the borrower is slave to the lender. And so, you know, platforms that are huge on spending, 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 more spending, 
You know, I, I, I say that around my house. Like I say to my wife, listen, we can't spend like we're we're in Congress and she doesn't. She, <laughs> and she's not the one that would do that. That would be me, by the way. I'll make sure that's clear. Um, but um, we can't spend like we're in Congress. Right. That, that, you know, and so we need a president that understands that we should not be in debt to every country in the world. We should not continue to spend way over the mm-hmm. amount of money that we have coming in. I mean, that's just like, what if you did it in your house, right? Say your bills were $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month and you spent $5,000 a month. Well, at some point, you're going to go bankrupt because you can't spend more than what you make. You can't spend more than what you have coming in. That causes you to be in debt. Well, you have to understand when this happens at a government level, it's like it's like being in debt on steroids. Right. And so when you have a platform that's saying, you know what? Ah, Don't worry about it. We'll just throw money at it. Let's just spend, just spend, 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 spend. We're going to tax people. We're going to spend. We're going to do it. We're going to have all of these programs and the the programs sound fantastic. The problem is somebody's got to pay for those programs. And the more programs there is, the more debt the mm-hmm. you know the generations are going into. So it, you might not pay for it, but your children will pay for it. Your children's children will pay for it. And it'll just continue to go on and it'll be a burden. So you know, the Bible speaks highly against debt. So I think we have to be fiscal, fiscally responsible. You know, and I, I kind of wanted to tackle a little bit the whole $15 an hour thing, right? Kyle and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. And, uh, you know, we had this narrative out that, you know, minimum wage should be $15. Now, and I know a lot of you listening, you know, that could be your view. Now, here's, here's listen to a person who hires somebody I, for my regular day job. I hire people for a living. I work in human resources, okay, and have worked in for a few years. It is impossible for an employer to switch every person to $15 an hour. Now, it sounds good, and I think it's a misunderstanding about minimum wage. Minimum wage was never to be a living wage. That's not what minimum wage was created for. It was not for you to be able to live and raise a family on minimum wage. If you have a job that you make minimum wage, like a lot of us had to do, and even our parents, we have to work a couple of jobs. For a time, sometimes you have to work three jobs for a time. You know, there was a time in my life that I worked two jobs and yeah. my wife worked. So we had three different incomes coming in the home to make ends meet. That's what you have to do. I couldn't sit at home and say, well, mm-hmm. oh, I only make, you know, I mean, when I started working, literally minimum wage was like, I don't know, four, seven, it was like $5 an hour or something like that. It's crazy, right? Now, I was just a kid and living at home. Now, there's no way that I should have sat there at home and said, you know what? No, I demand $15 an hour. $5 an hour is not a living wage. Well, of course it's not. It's minimum wage, not a living wage, right? As an HR professional, okay, and I'm on the back end of things and I see our finances, okay? If I were to bring all my employees in at $15 an hour, guess what's going to happen? Everybody that's currently at $15 an hour now, I'm going to have to boost their salary up to whatever, 20 bucks an hour or $17 an hour, wherever they are, right, in that chain, okay? As somebody who hires for a living, 
I will tell you that is mathematically impossible. I cannot pay every single person. Now, mind you, I just happen to work at a place where we actually do pay our people very well. So we don't necessarily have this issue. But here's the thing. I know from a business standpoint that I can't pay or if I worked at a job that where we had lower paying jobs, there is no way that I could say everybody starts off at $15 an hour because as soon as I do that, then the person above them has to be at 20. The person that's already at 20 has to be at 25. The person at 25 has to be at 30 and so on and so forth. After a while, there is no more money left. Well, what ends up happening is when you go to hire Less companies will hire people. Why? Because they literally don't have enough money to pay that amount of staff that amount of money. So, yes, can you go ahead and set minimum wage at $15 an hour? Absolutely. Go ahead and do that. But what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot less help wanted signs. You're going to see a lot less jobs available on Indeed and and LinkedIn and, and, and ZipRecruiter and all these places that you go look for jobs because they're not going to be able to financially hire those people because they have no more money to do that. So, again, it sounds good, but we have to go back to saying, is it factually true? Can that happen? And if you do your research, you will find that some companies that have raised their minimum wage to $15 an hour or more have went out of business. Now, there are some of them like Hobby Lobby that's thriving. I think they just boosted their minimum wage up to $17 an hour, their minimum pay, right, to $17 an hour. Now, minimum wage and minimum pay at a job is totally two different things. Minimum wage is what the government sets, but there's other companies that can say, hey, we will bring our workers in at no less than X amount, right? The government can never say to businesses, you must do $15 an hour or more at this point because it will not be financially possible for many companies. Remember, most companies are not big companies like Quicken Loans and some of these giant companies, you know, they're small mom and pop shops. That's what this economy is ran on. And so I just wanted to, to, to just say that and talk about that because I know that's something that's really popular when people are voting because they're like, well, I want to vote for the platform that's going to give me that $15 an hour minimum wage. Well, look at the actual facts and, and do some research on that. Yeah, and you want to look at the platform that's going to be willing to build the economy, like physically build the economy, Yeah, you know, job creation, projects in mind. I mean, they'll talk about it. Yeah. No, they're going to have a plan. Last thing you want to do is get up on a platform and speak about building the economy and not have a plan. You'll be eaten alive. Right. So they're, they're going to have a plan. So you got to pay attention to, you know, what is your plan for unemployment? What is your plan for, you know, the job creation? What is your plan? What is your plan for, you know? Taxes and, and, and a lot of times they'll answer that question within the question. The only way to get money sometimes is raising taxes in a certain area. We may not like that because there may be another option from the other side that's talking about, well, we can create jobs by doing this. We can bring some jobs back to, back to our shores and we can, and you just got to listen to see what party's saying what, what's in the best interest for us as Americans. And, uh, you're going to find out. Both parties are going to try to claim their fiscal responsibility, but where does their loyalty in that fiscal responsibility lie? And that's where you've got to find out. Right. And if you're beholden to a party, 
<laughs> you're going to have a hard time looking at those things objectively. Like you, 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 you can't. And, and, and I will say, I mean, either party, neither party is going to have everything right. There may be some, there may be a ton of stuff that Republicans do well on social issues and maybe they fail in fiscal issues or vice versa. Maybe, maybe the, the Democrat party does well on social issues and, and they, they fail on, 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 uh, fiscal issues. It, it, you know, it's, it, or, or that could be mixed up. One does one mm-hmm. in good area. In, in, in one area and the other does a good in another area. So I think you have to look at things objectively and just say, who is doing the most in that way? And I think one of the things I want to say um, before we move into the last thing is um, some of the things that we are asking the government to do are things that the church should be doing. Yeah. We're asking the government to take care of the poor, be there for them, give them food, shelter, clothes food stamps, I don't know if it, or the bridge card, whatever it's called now, you know, here, here's the thing. And then people will vote based on that alone and say, well, but these people, this party is for the poor. I would argue that both parties are for the poor, but they have different ways mm-hmm. of, you know, of, of getting those things done. And I think you have to look at it and you say, is, is your platform giving the man a fish? Or is it teaching the man to fish? Because we can spin, 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 right? We talked about that. We can spin and then we can have all these programs for the poor, but really all it does is keep them poor. Or we can teach a man to fish and say, you know what? We're not going to have as many programs, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to offer jobs. We're going to offer free training. We're going to offer trades. Right. I work in the trades industry. Right. And I will tell you right now, a lot of that you do not have to have college for and you can make well over six figures. So I hire them. I pay them. I know I see it. So what I'm saying is, you you know, you you can either have a party that gives the man a fish or you have the party who teaches the man to fish. You ask you have to ask yourself, what is more biblical? Right. Just giving the man the fish or teaching the man the fish. And I would say giving the man the fish is biblical. I also would say teaching the man the fish is biblical because we should be reaching out and giving to those. But we don't want to give just to give. We want to give so that they don't have to stay there for the rest of their lives. And this is where the church comes in. The church should have the food pantries. The church should have uh, areas set up in the church where people can get on their feet. The church, the pastor should be going to people in their or in their congregation going, is there anybody that are HR directors? Is there anybody who are recruiters? Is there anybody here so that they have a pipeline to getting people jobs, to getting people back on their feet? The pastors should be able to get with their local uh, organizations, their civic centers, their their all of these different these different uh, government agencies to help people get on their feet. Church, let's not depend on the government to do everything. Oh, it's good. You know, let, let's not do that. It's good. Uh, James one twenty seven says religion that God, our father, accepts as pure and faultless is this to look 
after orphans and widows in their distress. Right? So he James is saying it here. That, that's the religion that God accepts. You know, to look after orphans and widows. So why are we asking the government to look after widows and orphans and the church is not doing it? We wouldn't have to maybe worry so much about who we we're going to vote for on that issue if the church rose up. And I know there's plenty of churches all over that's doing a great thing. Here's what I'm saying. We have to get better and we and more churches need to get involved in that. And, you know, a couple other things and is, you know, racial equality and national security, racial equality. I think that should be something that's on everybody's platform. Like we, there shouldn't be a party that is not about racial reconciliation. You know, we heard all the scriptures about God. He knit us in our mother's womb and how valuable life is. That's all life. It didn't say anything about color there. Didn't say if it's black children uh, that he's that he knit them together specially and white kids he didn't. No, it says he said it when you know, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Right? Doesn't matter who what color you are. So both platforms. But again, look at it from a Christian point of view. What platforms are truly wanting racial reconciliation, and which which ones are using it? as a narrative or using it to just push their own agenda. It's mm-hmm. extremely important. Yeah. And you got to be careful too. Unfortunately, we're living in a time where the media, instead of aiding in bringing reconciliation, they're aiding in bringing yeah. division. And one of the ways they're doing that is this racial inequality battle. And they're, both sides are just bad at this. They're just making it seem like the other side doesn't care about racial inequality. And they're giving every ounce of effort to make it so, knowing yeah. they're wrong, knowing that, the, oh, this is just a plug. This is just a way for us to get our point across. We have to do our best to look beyond some of this stuff and say, okay, like Kevin just said, who genuinely wants racial inequality? Who genuinely wants to fix racial yeah. inequality? Who genuinely wants racial reconciliation that's huge yeah it needs to be on both platforms 100%. it better be on both platforms and if it's not that's a huge indictment to that platform that's right that's right and so yeah i mean and you we know that that is something that is uh serious when it comes to god and and national security is another one that should be uh we should uh, democrats republicans independents it doesn't matter who we are we should want national security we have people have fought and died for us to have the things that we have, right? And when you talk about national security, and you know, I know we get involved in other countries sometimes, but some of those countries are countries where they're doing horrible things to their people, and sometimes we get involved in them. And you know, we can have an argument whether that's right or wrong. Listen, here's what I'm saying is, we should want the best for everyone all over the world. We should want the best for our people. And it is extremely important that we take national security seriously. You should not want any president to be on the side of celebrities or of people who are saying things like, hey, you know, I hate America. I want to move out of America. Uh, you know, uh, you know, if this person becomes president, I'm moving or this. Pre- it doesn't matter. You hear from both sides, both sides. Stay in America. Be happy that we are one of the richest and one of the most blessed nations that is on the face of the earth. 
and do everything that you can to be a part of the solution instead of the problem. You know, and so, you know, I think that's crazy. And, and you know what? I'll say this. There's some people that's going to listen to all of this and say, man, that's just too much stuff to worry about. I'm just not going to vote at all. Like I, like I just, I, I, I can't pick. I don't know. You know, let me, let me, let me say this to you. I love you even if you don't vote. But here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. People have died so we could vote. Died. This is our civil duty. I believe that God would want us to do that. I think it's pretty clear in scripture where God stands on all these different issues. So I don't think it's really as hard as what we think it is. I think what happens is when we see where God stands on things and we see the party or the platform that we have to vote for based on those things, sometimes we get, we're like, yikes, I really don't want to do that because it bothers us a little bit. But here's the thing. You, when you, when you're at the end of your life and you go meet God, you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. It's not that you, that's not that everything was perfect down here, but you did everything you possibly could to raise the standard and be that beacon of light that God has called you to be. And one of the ways you do that is you vote. Help society be as close to what God wants as possible. It'll never be perfect. Uh, You know, you don't even see that in the Bible. There were some horrible kings in the Bible. Oh my goodness. They're horrible. Didn't like, didn't like God, put up idols, made people fall down and worship them. They killed them if they didn't. I mean, there was some terrible, terrible rulers, right? And, and we don't have any rulers like that. Now, yes, I know our religious freedom is being censored right now, and that is huge. And that's another thing that we have to, who's, who's censoring your religious freedom? That's important too, you know? So all of these things are extremely important, and we have to do what we can. So I hope that what we've said You've got something out of it in these past two weeks. I pray and I'm praying with you. We're praying before we go to the polls and vote that God will direct us. If you're a Democrat, we love you. If you're Republican, we love you. If you're an independent, we love you. If you're a communist party, we love you. We love everyone. You know, it's not about who you vote for, right? You know, whether we love you or not, we love all of you and we want to see our nation healed we want to see our nation go forward and progress in the right way and so please pray read the scriptures and vote absolutely uh guys you can catch us on our website at thinkingoutloudmedia.com you can catch us facebook instagram twitter thinking out loud podcast thinking underscore out loud podcast uh, hashtag thinking out loud comment have conversations with us on social media. We love it. We listen. Trust me. When we when we have a comment, we engage in it. We like to bring that comment onto the show. We like to talk about it. You're our audience. We want to have conversations with you. So yeah. uh, thanks for tuning in. But do more than that. Comment. Have conversations with us on social media. We want that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, have an awesome, awesome, awesome day. And have an awesome week. And be prayerful as you vote. And we'll see you next week. Yeah.